Welcome back once again to the Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg, ranting at you on the evening of October 30th, 2023, as always from my apartment on Manhattan's Lower East Side, which fortunately is not under aerial bombardment, with Israel clearly intending to turn all of Gaza City into rubble ahead of a ground invasion, I continue to be astounded by the blatant Orwellian contradiction of the Israeli public position. Now, with millions of human lives at stake, it almost seems petty to focus on anything so quotidian as mere hypocrisy. But this really is impressive. On one hand, this openly genocidal rhetoric against the Palestinians, exactly mirroring that employed by Russian officials against the Ukrainians. We noted that Israeli Minister of Defense Yoav Gallant declared in no uncertain terms, on October 9th, quote, we are imposing a complete siege on Gaza. No electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we will act accordingly, end quote. Well, now he was just done one better by Prime Minister Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu himself, who actually invoked Old Testament atrocities in a speech on Saturday, October 28th, specifically those unleashed on the Amalekites by the Israelites. Quote, You must remember what Amalek has done to you, says our Holy Bible. 1 Samuel 15.3, quote within a quote, B.B. quoting the Old Testament, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass, end quote. End quote. Well, that's calling it straight. And yet, at the same time, they are maintaining this perverse pretense of targeted strikes on terrorist infrastructure. And, oops, there's some unfortunate collateral damage in the form of whole neighborhoods of Gaza City. In Bibi's previous day speech, October 27th, he said, using one of the official propaganda phrases of the Israeli Defense Forces, or IDF, quote, the IDF is the most moral army in the world. The IDF does everything to avoid harm to non-combatants, end quote. And he denounced those who quote, dare to accuse our soldiers of war crimes, end quote, as hypocrites and liars. 
Wow, talk about having it both ways, eh? Netanyahu, like Putin, is also playing to World War II nostalgia, in this case the inevitable invoking of the Holocaust. In that same speech of October 27th, he said, quote, We always said never again. Never again is now, end quote, which is excruciatingly ironic because that is exactly what the Palestinians of Gaza are saying as regards their own plight. The death toll in the Israeli bombardment of the Gaza Strip is now approaching 8,000. Interestingly, the same number of Muslim civilians killed in the Srebrenica massacre in Bosnia in July 1995, which is today universally considered an act of genocide. In a glimmer of hope from here in New York City, the group Jewish Voice for Peace effectively shut down Grand Central Station on Friday, October 27th, to demand an Israeli ceasefire in Gaza. And I do mean shut it down. I got there at 6, but the cops had already barred entry to Grand Central Station in response to the protesters inside. Couldn't get in without a train ticket. Some 300 were arrested. I salute Jewish Voice for Peace and all who were there that night. This is, of course, the critical demand that progressive voices worldwide must be raising at this moment. Seize fire now. The United Nations General Assembly on Thursday, October 26th, voted overwhelmingly in favor of a resolution calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. The 193-member body passed the resolution, sponsored by a group of 22 Arab states, by a margin of 120 to 14, with 45 countries abstaining. I note with deep chagrin, although certainly no surprise, that the United States joined Israel in voting no. And this was the UN's first formal response to the conflict after the Security Council failed on four occasions since the airstrikes began, now three weeks ago, to reach a consensus on such a resolution due to a U.S. veto. The U.S. does not have veto power in the General Assembly, as we know, but General Assembly resolutions, unlike those of the Security Council, are not considered binding. I also note with disappointment that Ukraine was among the countries that abstained, despite the fact that it has similarly had to repeatedly go to the General Assembly for resolutions against the Russian aggression because of Moscow's veto on the Security Council. But at least we have the General Assembly's official embrace of the demand for a ceasefire, and that's something. But I offer a second demand. I note that on Saturday, October 28th, Netanyahu finally met with the families of the Israeli hostages being held in Gaza. 
who urged him to accept a so-called all-for-all, or everyone-for-everyone prisoner swap. That is, freeing all of the 220 hostages for the some 5,000 Palestinians being held by Israel on security-related matters. Back-channel talks have apparently been opened through the auspices of Qatar, the government of which has indicated that Hamas would accept this deal. And Israel accepting it seems to be the fast-emerging consensus of the families of the hostages, who have been holding vigils across Israel with an increasingly impatient and suspicious and critical attitude toward the government. And, of course, this second demand necessarily implies the first, a ceasefire, because bombing Gaza is obviously inimical to the aim of freeing the hostages. First, because it utterly demolishes any prospects for good faith on the part of Hamas, and because the hostages could be themselves killed, of course. And the Israeli government has in fact been quite explicit that freeing the hostages is a secondary aim to the primary one of destroying Hamas, in their terminology, which essentially means, putting it in plain talk, that despite Bibi's cynical pledge to the families that he will exhaust every possibility, quote-unquote, to bring about their return, the hostages are, in fact, being sacrificed. So, yes, international pressure on Bibi to instate a ceasefire and accept this deal, the all-for-all deal. The damage is already beyond horrific. But we are right at the brink of everything getting much, much worse. Perhaps unthinkably worse. And we urgently need to put forth a possible proposal for a mere step back from the brink. And this one, I submit, has moral authority behind it because it recognizes the humanity on both sides. And perhaps as the possibility of breaking through the propaganda disconnect in which each side can only see the brutality on the other and believes that that brutality justifies that of its own. This is a demand that could de-escalate the violence while exploiting this crisis to press for long-overdue justice for the dispossessed Palestinians. I noted a couple of weeks back that Mustafa Barghouti of the Palestinian National Initiative was one of the first to propose this solution in an interview with PBS NewsHour, October 11th. I again quote his words, quote, I'm calling for a peaceful resolution. That's why I say now we should move in the direction of immediate ceasefire, de-escalation, immediate release of all Israeli prisoners in Gaza, 
in exchange for releasing Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails, who number 5,300, including some people who have been in jail for no less than 44 years. So, release prisoners, exchange prisoners, have a ceasefire, stop this madness that is going to happen, and let's open a road for peace and for resolution by ending the occupation and allowing us and the Israelis to coexist and live in peace, end quote. Now, I can hear you protest that the Israelis held by Hamas are hostages rather than prisoners because they've been detained extrajudicially. They've never been charged or tried for any crime. Yeah, okay. And some 500, at least, of those roughly 5,000 Palestinian detainees held by Israel have similarly never been charged or tried for any crime, but are being held under so-called administrative detention, pursuant to terms of Israel's Emergency Powers Detention Law of 1979 and military regulations in place for residents of the occupied West Bank and Gaza Strip. Just early last month, September, a few weeks before this whole crisis erupted, the Supreme Emergency Committee for Palestinian Prisoners announced that Palestinian detainees in Israeli prisons were launching an indefinite hunger strike in response to policies instated by hardline National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir. Quote, the ignorant extremist Ben-Gavir appears before us with a new decision that harms our most sacred sanctities by reducing visits from our families to once every two months, thinking that we may surrender or tire in the face of his aggression and arrogance, unquote, said the emergency committee. I am uncertain if this strike is ongoing. The question has been rather eclipsed in the news, even within Israel, as you can imagine. Back on May 2nd of this year, the detainee Kader Adnan died in an Israeli prison following a hunger strike that lasted 86 days in protest of his repeated administrative detention the most recent round having begun last February. Known as the Palestinian Bobby Sands, he was also on hunger strike for 66 days in 2011, which inspired hundreds of administrative detainees in Israel's prisons to similarly go on hunger strike. And he was also on a 55-day hunger strike in 2015. That year, Israel's Knesset passed a law that allows the force feeding of prisoners on hunger strike if their lives are at risk. And the following year, this was upheld by the Israeli Supreme Court, rejecting a challenge filed by the Israel Medical Association and by human rights groups who argued that the practice constitutes a form of torture. In 2017, more than 1,600 Palestinian prisoners in Israeli custody 
launched an open-ended mass hunger strike on April 17th, Palestinian Prisoners' Day, led by imprisoned Fatah leader Marwan Barghouti, under the banner of Freedom and Dignity for Prisoners. That strike lasted 40 days, ending after detainees reached an agreement with the Israel Prison Service reinstating family visitation rights that had been suspended. Marwan Barghouti is a member of the Palestinian Legislative Council, despite the fact that he has been imprisoned by Israel for some 20 years now, having been convicted of being a leader of the Second Intifada in a trial in which he refused to cooperate or defend himself, considering it illegitimate. Now, I'm not crazy about Fatah, the ruling party in the Palestinian Authority, nor, needless to say, its um, Islamist rivals such as Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the group that Qadr Adnan was associated with. I oppose political Islam, of course, the Palestinian National Initiative of Mustafa Barghouti, a distant cousin of Marwan Barghouti and also a member of the Palestinian Legislative Council, has politics closer to my own, more progressive and democratic. But that's not the point. The point is that Qadr Adnan was entitled to human and civil rights, which he was denied, spending years of his life behind bars, having never been convicted of any crime. So someone has got to tell Israel, yo, you want to roll with the democracies? You got to get with habeas corpus and shit, Noam Sane. And that someone is Joe Biden. We North Americanos, and especially those of us with Jewish surnames have got to be putting pressure on Biden to, in turn, put pressure on Bibi to accept an all-for-all deal. Bibi must offer, at a minimum, to free all Palestinians being held on administrative detention in exchange for the hostages being held by Hamas. And I will note that there is precedent for this kind of thing. In 2011, when Benjamin Netanyahu was also prime minister, Israel cut a deal with Hamas, winning the release of Gilad Shalit, one IDF soldier who had been held in the Gaza Strip since 2006 in exchange for over 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. The only reason to reject such a solution now is if we place vengeance for the October 7th attacks above the lives of the hostages. Let's be honest. And that does not help anyone. We've seen quite enough of the cycle of vengeance. Thank you. So free the Israeli hostages held by Hamas, free the Palestinian detainees held by Israel, Gaza ceasefire now, 
spread these demands far and wide. Because the human race is really poised at the brink at this moment, and we really don't have to go over it. It isn't too late to take a step back from the brink. Right? This has been Bill Weinberg with the Counter Vortex. Check us out online at countervortex.org, where everything I've been ranting about tonight is all blogged up, hyperlinked, and documented. Join the Counter Vortex. Join the resistance. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash countervortex, and rant on you next time.